Uh, before I jump into uh, my message, let me just um, introduce myself. Uh, I was with you. I was with you a little while before, but if you weren't here, my name is Roy, and uh, I spent uh, ten years in Petrolia as a kids and youth pastor, and then I spent another four years in Arthur, Ontario, as their lead pastor, and most recently uh, spent close to two years at Lake Point, just across the street. Uh, as one of their associate pastors, and I'm now the uh, manager of Next Steps at the, at the Hope Center here in town. And so my job as being the manager of Next Steps, we have people that come in, they, get, they feed every night of the year, and uh, my job is to help them not just go from that place where they're hungry and they need clothing, but to get to a place where they're dealing with some of their mental health issues, their addictions, and ultimately point them to Jesus, who's going to be the one that sustains them. And so I'm glad to be with you, the, with you today. Um, a public service announcement for the guys. Uh, if you're one of those people who doesn't start your Christmas shopping until tonight, uh, 7-Eleven has a combo deal of booster cables and beef jerky. Just in case you need it, you're welcome. Now, I know for Christmas, for me, Christmas, I love Christmas. I love Christmas Eve. It's all, even as a kid, it was my favorite holiday uh, I have so many great memories of Christmas. I remember one year we had moved into a new house. I think I was six years old. And I have a younger, bro younger brother and sister. They were four and three at the time. And what was unique about this house was uh, the house, uh, all the kids, kids' bedrooms were in the basement. My parents', my parents uh, bedroom was on the main level. And so their one big rule was this. They were like, on Christmas morning, you cannot go into the den, which was also in the basement, because that's where the Christmas tree is. You can't go there until you come and get us. Now, as a parent, I understand that now. I didn't understand it before, but I understand it now. Because, you know, as a kid, all you want to do is rip into presents. That's your, most, that's your favorite moment. Um, but as a parent, it's, there's that moment where you, you, you don't... Not that you don't care about presents, but the presents aren't as big a deal. It's that moment where you just see your kid's eyes when they see the Christmas tree and everything. So my parents didn't want us to take that from them. So they said, do not go into that room. And then they, I don't, they, they threatened. There was this long hall that went into the, into the den. They said they had set traps in that hall. So we woke up that morning. And the other, one, other thing that my, my parents did all, always... We had a rule is we had to put our stockings on our doorknob. And so there was a rule we could, we could open our stocking and do with, play with anything that was in our stocking. I think that just kept us busy for a while until we didn't try to wake them up at 4 a.m. And, and then uh, and that, was, that, was, that was on limits. Off limits was the Christmas tree. So we got up that one morning, went through our stocking. And if you're older, you'll remember this but we got an orange in our stocking. If you're older, you're like, you got fruit in your stocking, you were happy about it. If you're younger, you're like, fruit? You're probably thinking what I thought. An orange? There's like a bag of them in the refrigerator that I can go get any time I want. And so I took out my orange, and my brother and I came up with a plan. We weren't sure if our parents were serious about these traps they'd set, but we were going to find out. So we went to the end of the hallway, and we're looking down, down the hallway, and I don't know, we hadn't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones or anything, but we thought maybe this was the thing that was going to happen, that maybe there was going to be like arrows or something come out of the walls, or I don't know what we were thinking, or bear traps or something. And so we decided to roll our oranges down the hallway and see if anything happened. 
And so we rolled them down and we waited and we watched as they hit the fireplace and nothing happened. We looked at each other. Nah, we better not go in there. <laughs> I, I, my parents, I, they just created so many great memories around Christmas. And I, that's why I love Christmas. I love there's like a buzz around the town. People that aren't normally nice are nice all of a sudden. I love the lights. I love the Christmas music. I, I just love all those things. And as a kid, it's hard to deny. Like, how do you get around? You get two weeks off and you get gifts. It's hard to beat that. Now, as an adult, Christmas has taken on a little bit of a different meaning for me now. As an adult, my, my kids are 23 and 21. So I have them both home right now under the same roof, which is, that's my Christmas now. I remember older people saying, oh, all I want is my family around me. I'm like, oh, no, I want gifts. <laughs> but now I'm older. And I'm like, all I want is my family around me now. And so... As an empty nester, that's our, that's, our, that's our Christmas gift. And as good and as wholesome as those things are, what can get lost in all the hustle bustle and the shopping and all those, that, that to-do list that you're probably still trying to knock off right up until tonight is the Savior. Like the reason why we put up the lights and the Christmas tree and, the, and celebrate and give gifts. But why December 25th? Why do we celebrate on December 25th? Because the truth is, the Bible doesn't mention December 25th. And I'm not a great at math, but I know there's why they picked December 25th, because there was like a 1 in 365 chance it would be on December 25th. But about 300 years after Jesus' birth, the church decided to celebrate Jesus' birth, and they had to choose a day. And they chose December 25th, because the theory is they chose it that that is the longest and darkest day of the year. And so they were celebrating that in the midst of this darkness, there came a great light for all the world. And that's the Christmas story in a nutshell right there. In the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the despair, the angst, the oppression, the worry, Jesus came to bring light into the world. John, John chapter 1, verse 4. Let's see if I can get this. There we go. The word gave life to everyone that was created, and his life brought light to, light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. That was, you heard that earlier in the service said better than I just did. <laughs> Christmas is the light breaking through the darkness. And I recognize that for some of you here today, you're here today maybe out of tradition. Maybe, maybe you, that's what you do. You come to church on Christmas Eve. You come to the Christmas Eve service, and maybe you're here to appease somebody who, who asked you to, and you like them, so you came. I also recognize that for some of you, you understand darkness because you're walking through a time right now that feels dark. You're walking through something that Maybe you've let others in on, but maybe you haven't. And you put a smile on your face, and amongst all the lights and the carols, you smile. You said Merry to Christmas to people in the hallway today, but you're struggling with something. And as much as for some of you, you think you're here out of tradition today, I don't think it's a coincidence. 
Because Christmas is God sending light into a dark world. And I believe that God wants to do the same thing in your life. That he wants to send a savior. He wants to send light into your world through Jesus. And maybe you've given up hope that the light is coming. Because it wasn't a lot different than back 2,000 years ago for the Jewish people. They had been told for so long that they were going to receive a Messiah. They were going to receive a Savior, somebody that was going to come and free them of their oppression. And they had been oppressed for, by many groups over the years, but currently they're being oppressed by the Romans. And for 400 years, they hadn't heard from God. God had gone silent on them, and they were losing hope because their parents had heard about a Messiah that was coming and never saw him. And their grandparents had heard about a Messiah and had hope and didn't come in their lifetime. And maybe their great-grandparents as well. And now, into the dark world, they waited. And it's in the midst of that dark world that history changes forever. It's here where an angel shows up to a teenage Jewish girl and informs her that she's going to give birth to that Messiah that she's waited on. And while they were there, the, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified which we all would be. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the one that you have heard about, the one that you have waited on, the one that you've put all your hope in, the one that you thought maybe might not be coming anymore. The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David. And so in the midst of this dark night sky, a declaration is made to some shepherds. Good news of great joy to all people. In other words, the gospel. Often when we hear this word, the gospel, we always, we always associated that that's a Bible word, but the gospel was a common word. The gospel meant good news. It always meant good news. For example, in ancient Greece, if you were being invaded by an army, the king would send a messenger to all corners of the kingdom to gather as many men as they could because the invading army maybe had more people than they had and they needed more help. And this wasn't the gospel message. This was a cry for help. But suppose your army destroyed the other army. The king would send a different messenger to the entire kingdom with a different message, a message of victory, a message of celebration, a message of peace throughout the kingdom. This was the gospel message, the good news. And the messenger that brought that good news in Greek would be called the agalos or an angel. And so when we read through the Christmas story, who shows up to the shepherds? Agalos. Or the angels. And what do they announce? That God needs help. 
No, they announced peace has come to the earth in the form of a baby sent there to save humanity. And now we fast forward 2,000 years and nothing's changed. What we need right now is good news. When you grab a newspaper or who grabs a newspaper anymore, who pulls up, when you pull up the news on your phone or your tablet or your computer, how often when the notification comes in that you got news, is it good? Studies show that 90% of news has a negative slant. It's a 9 in 10 chance that it's not going to be good news. And so we're inundated with bad news. And it's easy in the midst of all that as you're reading through it to feel lost, to feel like the world has gone dark and that humanity has little hope. Back in December 1914, the world was at war, World War I. And German and British forces were in a standoff in the battle lines, each unwilling to surrender the ground that they had, and they bunkered down. Troops say that the enemy bunker was so close, perhaps 50 yards apart, that you could hear talking from the enemy troops. You could smell their cooking. And young men were, in, were five months into a brutal war a war that they assumed would be over by Christmas, that, that they were told would be done by Christmas. And it was already getting, getting old. The conditions were wet and muddy and cold. Trenches were constantly flooding. And many suffered frostbite. And they'd lost friends in the battle. And their minds began to wander back home where their loved ones were decorating trees and celebrating Christmas without them. And they're living in this dangerous bunker. And by December 24th, their morale is at an all-time low. It's Christmas Eve, and each of them dreams about being anywhere but where they are in this muddy hole. Talk about dark and hopeless. And as night falls, that's when the British troops hear the sounds of what sounds like singing. And as they peer over the bunker, the German troops are holding up tiny little Christmas trees with candles on them. And they're singing Silent Night or Stille Nacht, a classic Christmas carol composed by a composer, Hans Gruber. And when they're done singing, the British troops, they applause and return fire, but not return fire like they have for the last number of months. They return fire with the first Noel. And as they finish... They're met with applause from the Germans who break out an O Tannenbaum. And back and forth they went until they joined in unison with O Come All Ye Faithful. And as dawn broke, shouts of Merry Christmas were exchanged. German soldiers began to call for a truce and emerged from their bunker. The British soldiers, a little skeptical at first, watched and noticed that there was no weapons. And before long, they emerged from their bunker. And both groups met in the middle in no man's land. And what happened next is something no soldier would have ever predicted. For hours, soldiers greeted one another. They shared mementos, exchanged gifts. They showed each other's pictures of home, gave each other haircuts. Even a game of soccer broke out, which to this day the Germans claim they won 3-2. History calls this the infamous Christmas truce. 
And for a moment, they forgot they were enemies. They forgot they were supposed to hate one another. They shared a bond. They were young men who were away from home at Christmas, missing their loved ones and tired of war. On Christmas Day, close to 100,000 British and German troops laid aside their differences in favor of peace. And light shone in the middle of darkness. That's what Jesus is. Not a message that this life's going to get better and better, but a reminder that this life isn't all there is. That mankind needs saving, and we can't save ourselves. And what makes the angel's message one of good news is that we don't have to save ourselves. A Messiah has come at the right time. A Savior has been born to save us from our sin. The other day I was reading some letters on a website written to Santa by kids. Here's one. Dear Santa, there are three boys living in my house. Jeffrey is two. Jared is four. Jake is seven. Jeffrey's good some of the time. Jared is good some of the time. Jake is good all the time. I am Jake. And that mentality of a seven-year-old writing to Santa is the mentality many of us has when it comes to our sin. Like we don't need saving from it. We should be on the good list. Why? Because we compare ourselves to others. And no matter how much we've been dishonest or gossiped or cheated or spoken anger, we can always find someone who's way worse. And when we compare ourselves to them, we're thinking, I'm doing okay. And yet the Bible teaches us that all have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed God's standard. But there is great news, good news of great joy for all people. The same all. A Messiah has been born. You see, from the beginning of time when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the relationship was fractured. And yet, as we read through the Old Testament, we begin to see that God is preparing the way for Jesus. The prophecies all pointed to it. He was preparing the way to restore our relationship with him once and for all. There's a video that I came across uh, a couple weeks ago. And it's a couple minutes, and it had a huge impact on me. I want, I want you to take a look at it. What a great video. It's actually an exercise company trying to get you to use their equipment, but (laughs) what I love about the commercial is what people see is they see this grandfather working out, and they don't understand. You see him hitting the alarm, getting up, working out, and he's determined. And what we don't know is he has a moment in mind. He puts this picture in front of his in front of him that has his granddaughter. We don't see that. And it motivates him. And he's reminded over and over of his love for her and this moment that he wants to have with her. I love this video because an example of what we see through the Old Testament and into the New Testament, the God of Father, he loves you so much. He has this picture in front of him And when nobody understands what's going on, he's reminded, in this picture, he has you. And he's reminded that he's preparing the way 
for this moment with you. And that's why we celebrate that a Savior was born. And again, maybe you're here out of tradition, and you're not sure about God, you're not sure about... If only he knew what you've done. If, if only he knew how far you've strayed. He doesn't care. He's thinking of you. And maybe you struggle with this idea there's a heavenly father that even thinks about you. But he's been preparing the way for you. Good news of great joy for all people. He was thinking of you. He was preparing a moment with you in mind. When all in the world seems dark and hope seems like it's lost, behind the scenes, he was always thinking of you. Who was Jesus sent into this world for? You. Who is the good news for? You. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward as I'm just going to pray as they come. Father God, it's, it truly is good news and great joy for all people. And I pray for the person here this morning that struggles with that word all, that it's that it's somehow it's only reserved for those that go to church on a regular basis or, or for their grandmother or their grandfather or, or those that, that seem like they just do good deeds, God, but... Lord, you saw all of humanity. You saw all humanity was broken. And you loved us so much that you prepared a way that you sent your son, Jesus. And when nobody else understood what was going on, when it seemed like the world was dark and hope was lost, behind the scenes, you had that picture frame with our picture in it. And you sent your son, Jesus, to come into this world. And the Agalos announced the birth of a baby. A baby that would change history. That would change our futures. When we give this baby Jesus, when we give him surrender of our lives, and for that, we thank you. Amen.